0: takes a look at the Richard Curtis film about time, two minutes at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Robert E.G. Black. Hello, hello. And they say, never meet your heroes, but I don't listen to them. I'm here with Richard Curtis.
1: <laughs> well, look, I'm so pleased. My heroes, I must admit, my heroes are Marlon Brando and John Lennon and Bob Dylan. I'm sure they would nice. all hate me, No, so I think it's not necessarily a bad idea. And I regret having met Bob Geldof, so... <laughs>
0: so obviously as i've said like you've inspired so much of what i've done as an amateur filmmaker the amount of films i've watched and so i would consider you to be sort of an auteur of of filmmaking would you consider you have a specific style or auteurship with your films or
1: well i don't know i don't know that i thought i did but in the end you suddenly have to face the fact that you're probably interested in particular subjects and you probably do it In a particular way, I often think of, you know, painters, I always think every time that Chagall looked at the world, did he genuinely just see, you know, gypsies jumping over houses? He must have known there were other ways of portraying the world. But you obviously do get, you know, when you interact with the idea of writing and filming the same things must come through. So I I do feel there's probably a common thread and a common feeling and the way people talk is probably, you know, similar. So I think O'Toole might be a bit grand, but I've definitely (laughs) got, you know, styles and subjects that that consistently appeal to me.
0: And then you just surprise everyone by writing a film like Trash and just...
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, indeed. In Portuguese. So.
0: Yeah. yeah I, I I put that on and that was kind of like, am, am I watching the right film? I had to double check it was the same Richard Curtis, just just in case.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> it's my son Spike's favourite movie of mine. Um, But then I think he's only watched three of them, so it's not exactly very good, highly competitive. So,
0: Robert, there was a, a, a oh. thing you have been wondering for a while.
2: About yeah, as the stuff. often the only American on this show, we wondered why you have token Americans in your scripts.
1: Well, that's a very interesting question. You know, they're not, in a way, token. So let's think, you know, Jeff Goldblum's in The Tall Guy because I, you know, had a couple of English ideas and the film company rejected them. (laughs) And then I said, get me Jeff Goldblum or Judge Rheingold, I think. And they sent it to Jeff Goldblum and he said yes. So we had him and I was thrilled. Andy McDowell, that was very specific because she had to go away. Mm. You know, that was the structure of the plot. Notting Hill, interesting. You know, we did think, are there any French movie stars or Australian movie stars who are big enough? In English one, it wouldn't quite have worked if we'd got Emma Thompson or something. So I don't really do it hugely on purpose, but on the other hand, you know, there are just so many brilliant American actresses and I've worked with all the English ones that, like in about time, the opportunity to work with Rachel was you know irresistible
0: have Have there been any like actors that you really still want to work with that you haven't quite yet
1: do you know like a thousand <laughs> but it's a very dangerous thing to think about i often think if i'd started thinking i want to write something for someone it probably would have corrupted the innocence of my writing if i'd said oh i've really got to write something now for you know Owen Wilson, well, then I would have written an Owen Wilson thing which might not come from inside. I, I, th- I do try and resist that thought. But when I think about doing anything in the future, the one idea I've got is that I might like to do a series of monologues and then I could just pick off ten of my favourite actors and it don't <laughs> take a day and you could work with them without all the hassle of having to go on location or anything. So there are so many of them.
0: So we've got this this scholastic book that we only just found out existed like yeah, two about, weeks about ago. <laughs> <laughs> I realised the About Time scholastic book was a conversation we had with Richard before we started recording where we actually explained what it is. Essentially, About Time had been adapted almost as a short children's novelisation for people learning English and we just thought it was a bit odd that that existed and Richard didn't know about it himself so that was our chance to talk about it. And it's, it's so weird and interesting and comes with an audio CD of the guy reading it, a guy who does a lot of different voices, which is very entertaining.
1: Excellent. And is he, is he American or Asian? Yeah, he's or... British
0: and he's right. pretty monotone except when he's doing the voices. And it's, it's quite funny how they try to make things a little bit more family friendly around like the iconic lines of the film. Do
1: that. So,
0: like, there's obviously the line where he says, I thought this phone was old and shit. And it just says uh, in the script, I thought this phone was old and not cool. Um... So
1: <laughs> you know, I, I was, I, I, my movies have been, I think, rated R in America. Mm-hmm. And as I thought that about time someone came to me and said, if you can limit it to, I think it was either eight or 12 swear words, we can get a lower rating. And I said, well, that is going to be unbelievably easy because this this is not a sweary movie. Mm. And I said, just go away and count and then I'll see what I can do. And someone came back the next day and said, there are 72 words. <laughs> so I thought, well, f- that um, I'm not going to be able to do it again. So um, I'm I'm glad to hear that they've at last produced the whatever it is, you or what is it in America? The pre 12 or something. What do they call the most innocent of movies there?
2: PG or G?
1: PG. Yeah. I'm glad there's a PG version of About f-ing Time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, interesting. One of the things that got About Time the R in the states was the Kate Moss picture in the background of one of the scenes, which just seems so mm-hmm.
1: yeah what stupid. You, what can you do? One of the things I'm people are very there's a kind of feeling that studios are bad and filmmakers are good, but I I I remember the conversation about Love Actually, where they said to you to me, you know, we'll probably make fifty million dollars more if you cut the naked couple. And I said, that's not. And they said, fair enough, you know. So <laughs> I, I've been quite lucky that what I wanted, I got, rather than what the money people wanted, they got. That's
0: that's good. And um, obviously our listeners will know that the next project I'm working on is a day-by-day Love Actually thing over Christmas where myself and a uh, friend, Lara, have cut up Love Actually into each in-universe day and then are releasing an episode. You know, the episode with the bits five weeks before Christmas comes out oh, five okay. weeks before Christmas right. and stuff like that. So it's it's very fun to look at that in depth. And That's interesting.
1: I, I've I've often wondered. I've never tried to cut those stories together because the idea of Love Actually was meant to be just take the best scenes from 10 yeah. films and, and, and sort of interlace them like a sandwich. It'll be interesting day by day.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's quite fun. And uh, Robert, when you actually came and guested on it, you made the point that you, you were sort of wondering as to, is is Love Actually almost seems as, as your way of saying, this is a, a cliche, like the, the rom-com genre. It seems almost, I'd, I'd say almost like Love Actually is to rom-coms what Scream is to horror films. It's kind of going, here are the cliches, let's play on them. Did you kind of think of well, it that way? Well,
1: I think what happened is I had written whatever it was, four of them. And I, both the Hugh Grant story and the Colin Firth story, I had thought about as full films. And then I thought, I just don't want to do the whole, you know, a 100 minutes. So why don't I? So it was, in a way, my, not parody, but my synthesis, shoving them mm. all together like that. So to some extent, It's right. I mean, there are there are, as you know, some very heartfelt things in there, but there are also, you know, chases through airports and kisses in the rain. And I mean,
0: obviously, it it works in that way. But as we've looked at it, we've kind of thought it feels like you're trying to say something with some with some of the scenes. That it's it's quite interesting and fun to look at any film this in depth. As with about time, like going so in depth in
1: this. And Robert, you must have had some very dull episodes um what's been the worst episode we had some short
2: episodes i don't think we had any
1: dull what's been the worst two minutes of the film tell me i'll cut them in the director's cut
2: (laughs) for talking about we there was a recent one actually but it it was we had some good emotional moments it's right right before the funeral there's cars driving for like 40 seconds and we're covering like minutes at a time
1: yeah it was very little to talk about i'll tell you a funny thing about that bit so When we shot it, we hadn't got permission yet to use the Nick Cave song. And Mm. so I had two other songs I thought I might use. I thought I might use Don't Dream It's Over, the Crowded House Mm.
2: song.
1: Nice. And For Once in My Life, the Stevie Wonder song.
0: Yeah, that's the one that's in the script, isn't it?
1: It, Yeah, maybe. And so when Bill was, like, sitting on the couch, when we shot his bit, he did four different takes where he said, (laughs) you know, you know that Stevie Wonder song, you know that Crowded House song, and then he also said, you know that song I love, so (laughs) that we could stick any song at all there, but we were lucky we got Nick Cave.
0: Robert had this this theory towards the end of the show that whether you've looked at this reading at all, that maybe time travel doesn't actually exist in about time, that it's a, a psychological way for them to solve their problems. Is that anything that you'd thought about at any point while writing
1: no but robert's clearly deeper than me (laughs) (laughs) i I mean it's jolly tricky working with time no because it doesn't exist you know a a problem's a problem because it can't be solved yeah but uh, you know i did my best
0: as you've said it's i think you said in an interview before that like it's an anti-time travel time travel film i think the time travel in about time it's the same as sort of what you what you did with yesterday where it's kind of like let's just accept that this is the situation and tell a story with it rather yeah. than getting so tangled up in rules which I think is is the best way I don't think we've had anyone guest on the show who like completely hated about time it seems to be very well loved
1: they'd be unfortunate guests if they just said this is <laughs>
0: we, had, we had someone who hated the five minutes we gave him but the rest ah. of the thing he liked. You, you'd know him vaguely, actually. That was Ewan MacIntosh from The Office. Oh um, no! He had the wedding scene, and he didn't like the wedding scene. But
1: oh, about uh, the
2: toasts were cheesy and cliche. Oh. Yeah.
1: oh yeah, well, I suppose there's an element of that. I, I mean, I love, I love the the actual sort of you know rain and everything because yeah, that nice. song Il Mondo was my dad's favourite song. We went on holiday to Elba when I was young, and every night we used to go to the local town. And my dad would buy us, you know, one ice cream and the whole day would be about working out whether you wanted, you know, stracciatella or caramel. But there was a jukebox there and we put on that song every single night. So I'd be wanting to put that song in a movie since I started in the movie. So it was a real,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. real thrill to have Il Mondo.
0: It's my ringtone now as well, since doing the oh. show. It's just,
1: oh, and I you love know, it. Was, it was either written by or orchestrated by Ennio Morricone, the greatest. Mm. I've had an Ennio Morricone score. That's what I get. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and and another song that you you know uh, I I heard were quite keen to put in was Ron Sexsmith's Goldenham Them Hills," and yeah. we managed to have Ron on the show a few weeks back. It was just incredible to talk oh. with him. And that's led to some weird things. Like I was chatting with Ron afterwards about some of my some of the music my school were doing. And next thing I know he sent my school's cover of I'm Still Standing to Elton John. And oh. we've all been invited as guests to Elton's next gig. And that just came oh. out of late. so That
1: is so great. I, yeah. I mean I love Ron. And the funny thing about that is that sometimes I've written films inspired by songs that didn't get into the film so that while I was writing Notting Hill, there were three songs I was absolutely obsessed by. I just listened to three songs on a loop. And they were Secret Heart mm. by Ron, Wasting Time by Ron, and then Everything But The Girls version of Downtown Train. But the there's a scene in Notting Hill where Hugh and Julia just sort of hang around together for a night because she's come to his house. And Wasting Time, where's the crime in Wasting Time with you? That was...
2: Mm.
0: What
1: the mood I wanted to to portray.
0: Is there a a film of yours that you consider yourself most proud of uh, of all the films you've made?
1: I don't know. I mean, weirdly, I do. I I'm I kind of interested in the fact that have you ever seen Girl in the Cafe?
0: Yeah, it's one of my favourites.
1: Well, Girl in the Cafe, I'm kind of proud that I managed to write a film about G7 conferences. So I think just just as a challenge, I'm kind of proud of that one. I also thought. It was so well directed by David Yates, who then, you know, went on to do all the Harry Potter films. Yeah. So it kind of gives me special joy because so much of it is not done in the way I would have shot it and is all the better for it.
0: And obviously it's it's a, it's a cliche, well, not not a cliche, like a a joke, a recurring joke in your films is the Bernard thing, which you've talked a lot about. Is there, is there any favourite insertion of Bernard into one of your films?
1: There's one where there isn't a Bernard, but there is a, a guy called Bernard Bellew is in the credits. I'm quite, mm. I'm, I'm thrilled about that. So <laughs> at least I've stuck to my guns.
0: That was yesterday, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, I think that yeah. was it. He was one of the producers. Yeah, where's yeah, the it, Bernard in about time? Um, Bernard is one of the friends. Is that right?
0: I, I think it's he talks about his mum. Yeah, it's and not I, an
2: actual character. They say that her name. is... He says she's quite
0: married. broad. Bernard'd be a better fit. Oh, okay. Um, Go, right? harry says yeah. that i'm glad mm. i got that in i thought it was tim in Noir.
2: oh yeah 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 that's right harry says she looks like a... uh
0: <laughs> F- fyi to the listeners it's been literally no. months since we recorded our other episodes Not Winston Churchill.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah
1: think, by the way i've got a can you make sure that you're can i give a word of advice to my listeners which is do watch like crazy that's one of my favourite movies, and you know the cameraman from that. I employed John Gulacyrian to shoot this movie because I hoped I'd be able to make it as classy as as that one. But I bought that, it the other
0: week, but haven't managed to see it yet. But yeah, yeah it's, it's,
1: great, great movie. it's great, great, movie. great. Much better than mine.
0: So you, you've had you had brief cameos in Dead on Time and The Tall Guy, and it was thought Love Actually, but Emerson said that. She didn't think it was you in love, actually.
1: I'm not in that. Emma's legs are in love, actually. (laughs) She's carrying a Christmas tree right at the beginning. Ah! Yeah, you see her legs or her hand or something.
0: I was trying to figure out when we got to that bit as to who was carrying the tree, so that's interesting.
1: My kids have popped up in in lots of them. In Mm. in what you now tell me is the dreadful wedding scene. (laughs) (laughs) You can see my son spike. Oh, I thought he was going to mention his daughter. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, can we
0: talk about Scarlet's bit?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, the biggest thing... Oh, yeah, that's right, the hawk. Um, The biggest thing is that it's my son Charlie, you know, on the beach with Mm -hmm. Bill, which he's so proud of, and he dyed his hair orange all summer and stuff like Uh, that. And Donald is so furious about that scene, because whenever anyone talks to him, they say, oh, yeah, my favourite scene is the one on the beach. And (laughs) he's literally the only scene (laughs) not in... But mm-hmm. that was pretty well the inspiration for the movie. I thought of that scene and in a way almost played the movie back from there.
0: It's, it's, it's a beautiful scene.
1: Well, one of the things <laughs> about the movie, you know, I, I always say that my movies now just look like very expensive diaries to me because when you no longer have to focus on the sort of innocence of the edit, when you, every time you edit the movie in a way you've got to pretend you haven't seen it before. But when I, it's so relaxing when I finally finish the movie that I can just watch it, but I no longer pay attention to the plots, but we only had one day to shoot on the beach. And there's quite a lot on the beach. Yeah, You know, there's the sort of scene with Rachel at the breakfast, and then there's the scene with him and Lydia. And so that scene, which I knew was the most important scene, it was like 5.30 or 6.30 at night. And we were suddenly out of time. <laughs> uh, and it was a real rush. And that's where I was so glad that i cast Charlie, because... Charlie had known Bill since he was three and they were actually <laughs> friends, so I didn't have to fake that relationship and everything that they do. And I was standing miles away on the top of the hill filming down on the beach. Uh, it's They're so sweet together, but they're sweet because they were friends rather than because, you know, Bill had been told to behave in this way and Charlie had been told to behave in that way.
0: I mean, it, it, it's beautiful. And um, am I right that... the I've read something about the beach being a naturist beach as well. Was that a, an issue you had to come across or was it all just uh, How do
1: you say that? I think that might be true. I think we might have had an issue of clearing away. We didn't have to use any CGI in the end, <laughs> but it was, it was not a particularly nice day. So we were lucky there were no random nudes.
0: And the colouring of the film is a thing which I've not noticed many people commenting on until we got back on the show but there seems to be a very sort of deliberate match between the family and their clothes matching to the colours of the house and stuff. Was that something that you had thought throughout?
1: Oh, I wish I had. I I mean, you do you do become obsessive in the grade about what the movie looks like, and, you know, I did have I I did want it, you know, I always want my movies to be ecstatic in one way or another, so I probably pushed all the colours and everything like that, but I can't say that it went as far as the costume.
2: Mm.
0: Because uh, there, there is some brilliant matching of, like, what was what we do notice that quite often it seems like their clothes are matching when they're at home and then not so yep. much when they're in environments they're not Especially comfortable 10. in. Well, yeah, it's... it's there you go, some extra credit. You can <laughs> About Time wasn't your first time doing time travel because there's Blackadder back and forth and the beautiful Doctor Who episode, Vincent the Doctor, yeah. which, when I realised you wrote that, it was just like, Because that would be my favourite episode of Doctor Who for years, and it was kind of like, oh, it also turns out my favourite writer wrote that episode.
1: Oh, that's very sweet of you. I mean, it is funny. Why is it that it matters so much? I think it's because you, as you get older, you know, you can't get (coughs) around with time. You can't make things better. You can't fix things. And I think particularly, you know, my mum and dad, uh, I think my dad had died when we did About Time, and, you know, my sister took her own life, and that's in a way what Doctor Who was about. Hmm. so I do think that it becomes a very attractive idea as you get older, if only you could, you know, go back and have a second chance at things, so it it has been a subject, and I always love, by the way, I love time travel movies, I love Bill and Ted, I love Looper, you know, there are all sorts of films I adore, just like Love Actually, I mean, literally, in my list of favourite movies, Shortcuts would be there, Nashville would be there, Pulp Fiction would be there, Smoke would be there, you know, I I love Hmm. those movies where you get more than your money's worth.
0: So, as we talked about time travel, I'm sure you were asked this like a hundred times during press for about time, but we asked this to every guest on the show. If you had to go back in time to some point in your life to either relive it or change a tiny thing about it, what moment in your life would you choose?
1: Gosh. I might talk my parents out of sending me to boarding school. Uh, (laughs) that, That was pretty brutal. I'm not sure. I'm happy about that. I tell you what, I'd like to go. I can't remember the first time I met Emma, and 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 she's very cross about that. She feels <laughs> as though the moment I met her should be more memorable. <laughs> but I'd like to go back and remember, uh, and that would save a lot of arguments.
0: So there's, I'm like 99% sure you won't know this, but we have to ask you this. There's a there's a scene in About Time where Tim is on the tube at the very end, sat next to the guy with loud music. Yes. And for some reason, we wanted to find out what that extra's name was, and it was
2: it's impossible. Talked about nothing.
0: this for
1: over an hour. Right? <laughs> I mean, that you're nuts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No we just thought we'd have to. Know. We you're thought have it to was a big public call, but I I can't remember.
0: We thought it was an actor called Graham Curry. Turns out it wasn't. But hence, there's lots of Graham Curry in jokes on the show. People can now buy the Graham Curry fan club T-shirts <laughs> um, with permission from the real Graham Curry. We, we yeah. got in touch with him.
1: Well, also, he is. said he sometimes, said to say hi. <laughs>
0: well,
1: sometimes you do get obsessed. In, in in Notting Hill, there's a guy standing behind Hugh when he's right at the very end when he's talking to Julia. And whenever I see that, I keep thinking he's that char- He's a character from that show V remember where their face <laughs> split? Yeah. He looks as though he's, like, seconds away <laughs> from turning into a serpent. And I could never watch that without thinking, oh, here he goes. But uh, unfortunately... Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah I, th- I think we've gone so far that it's clear this extra doesn't want to be found. So if we got any uh, further, it'd be creepy. I can't remember how that started. I, that episode only came out a couple of weeks ago when I listened to it, but I can't remember why we wanted to find out who the extra was.
1: He's probably um, giving you a better performance than Donald.
0: <laughs> <laughs> honestly it's like such a weird privilege to get to talk to you richard it's so it is,
1: it's lucky I, I remember some things at least you guys remember seeing it when it first came out or did you first see it on i was oh,
2: when it first came
0: out robert did i was nine when it first came out so i didn't
2: right, i knew that? it have kind of time travel and i was having a bit of a obsession at the time with groundhog day
1: and time loop movies so i had to see it
0: Yeah, Robert watched Groundhog Day every day for a year.
1: (laughs) That is crazy. Did you see the musical?
2: I never got to. I've listened to the soundtrack, but I never got to New York or London.
1: Yeah, no. It was was fun. It was fun. I mean, it wasn't Bill Murray who is, you know, amazing. very interested in in Andy McDowell and what an incredibly effective foil she was. I mean, it is Mm -hmm. interesting that she made... Mm. Four Weddings and Green Card and Groundhog Day. How she's kind of an actress who reflects very well upon the person who falls in love with her. I think she's yeah. she was great in that movie. Mm-hmm.
2: Even in Greystoke, where they took out her voice,
1: did they?
2: Yeah, they replaced her with Glenn Close's voice because her accent was too strong at the time.
1: She was very. Um, she's very southern. She's mm-hmm. very southern. yes. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it.
2: Just before we end up
0: running out of time, I'm not sure how much time we've got left. I've said on this show quite a lot, Richard, that your, your films seem to be the perfect way to get through lockdown. Cause I think pretty much any one of your films feels like a warm hug. Like there's so much, there's just so much comfort in that sort of style of universe, that very love centric thing that it's just, it definitely helped me get through a lot during lockdown and whatever stresses I was having if I just sat down and watched something.
1: That's so sweet of you to say. I mean, I think, uh, I do think, you know, mainly due to her, I have had a very <laughs> happy life. And I'm quite critical of people who've had good lives and then make slasher movies. I always think <laughs> that's not really fair. You get, you, and so I, you know, had a happy childhood and a happy adulthood. And I, I, I think, you know, the movies are in fact a reflection of how lucky I've been rather than me saying, well, wouldn't it be great for them, you know, the world to be scary and awful because the world i've experienced has on the whole been very, you know, gentle and kind.
0: So, as someone obviously who's, who's looked up to you as a screenwriter and like i think there's definitely been a lot of your influence in the couple of short films i've worked on. Do you, what what advice would you have to someone wanting to break into the industry in writing and directing?
1: Well, I don't know. If you like my films, I mean i do think generally and, and you don't have to do this because lots of people are interested in the genre, I, I'm interested in people, particularly at the start of their careers, writing about what they know. I mean, I think that a lot of people have made wonderful first films like, you know, Gregory's Girl and Diner and Breaking Away, movies like that, which are based on personal experience. And I do mm-hmm. think that if you can write with confidence, I, my first ever film that I wrote was in fact set in Boston, and I eventually abandoned it because I just didn't know what people, you know, had in their fridge and what, what music they were listening to.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. So my, I could have asked you for hints, but I think that, you know, that is my advice and uh, to trust your own instincts. And, you know, when it comes to jokes, if you're writing jokes, write things that make you laugh. And when you've written them, underline them because it's very easy to forget which bits you found funny <laughs> as you were actually writing them, but. Also, you know, don't be greedy when you first make a film. Don't, you know, don't ask for too much money. Just get the first film made.
0: And just FYI to the listeners, that voice they just heard was Emma Freud, who we've obviously talked about throughout the show. Um, Oh, Hello. Yes. 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 Hello.
3: Hello,
1: Bob. Oh, by the way, that's another good bit of advice, which is get a script editor who, who likes you. <laughs> <laughs> like the real The real problem is script often, you know they're imposed on you by someone else, and they've got their own random taste, and they don't really you know they want to make a movie that vaguely reminds them of the movie that they read, but working with them, you know she knows me so well, she knows what i'm trying to do, what i'm trying to say, where I've pushed it. I think that is a really good note is if you've got someone who's a friend or a family member. Or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or anything like that. Get them to be your editor. Don't, you know, pick, you know, someone from a film company who will tell you to put in a car chase. Let me try and think of a couple of things about about time. One is a dreadful confession. When I started writing it, I was kind of planning it out and I really started with the second half, not the first half. And I remember all my notes just said some romantic stuff for the first (laughs) hour. And then I was really interested in the second hour because it was the first time I'd written about my real life insofar Mm -hmm. as marriage, you know, because I was actually going out with them already when we did Four Weddings. And so I kept on writing these movies about the first time you meet someone, whereas the life I was living was interesting because of living with someone and having kids with them and everything like that. So I do think that one of the things I like about About Time is that it deals with, kids and mums and dads and, you know, yeah. the way that marriage goes on. So I was quite happy about that. And if I ever had written another film, I think it would have moved even more in that direction, being even more about brothers, sisters, family, rather than about the sort of first bloom of love.
3: Well, you just have. What? a new film.
1: And that's all about kids, yeah. Yeah, it's
3: about family life.
1: Yeah, I'm writing an animation, which may or may not get made, but that's all about, just about kids, yeah.
0: Is that based on the children's books that you're yeah, doing? Because I was reading, good, Yeah, books, Well, spotted. Yeah. I only found out about the books like a couple of weeks ago and I was like, ah.
1: <laughs> look, there's They're a new, not
3: very good.
1: Th- look, there's a new one coming. The <laughs> <laughs> are
3: great, but the words no, are a bit dodgy. I
1: beg you buy a copy. I mean, I beg you because nobody's bought them and every time we go into a bookshop, my children always say, charge around and say, great news dad, they've sold out. Whereas the truth of the matter is they never had any copies in the first place. Mm. But if you can create a demand, where do you live, Luke? Shropshire. Yeah, create a demand if you possibly Being in can. Shropshire yeah, you.
0: yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So sh- shout out to anyone in Shropshire. I mean, it's what I've been doing with About Time. Weirdly, is whenever I see it for sale in like there's like second-hand DVD stores quite near my college or whatever. Whenever I see About Time for sale, I buy copies of it to give to people. Now, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Reminds me, when I was young, I used to do a TV show called Not The Nine O'Clock News, and I used to go to record stores and always, you know, go to the M section and put Not The Nine O'Clock News in front of Nirvana, as it were, just so that people would buy <laughs> would buy a copy. Robert, where do you live? Uh, Los Angeles. Do you? Oh, okay. That's great. Well...
3: Luke, I don't think it's any... Having never seen you before, even though we've corresponded a lot, Yeah, but, um, it's no surprise to me that you who are so interested in Richard's work in such a lovely way, I have exactly the same hair and glasses as him when I first met him.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's no. like
3: gingers uniting, like the ginger calls to the ginger.
1: Yeah, that's why I was so thrilled to cast Donald because he actually did have the same colour hair as me before I grew old and grey. Hmm.
0: I was actually going to ask you this, ever as to what me and Robert looked like compared to what you would have
3: pictured when listening to the show. Well, I assumed Robert was also 16. Maybe he is. i not. You? No. You look, you look great. You look much better looking, both of you, than I had dared to dream. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, the weird thing about having spent so much time hosting the show is the fact that me and Robert have never met. Like, it's... No. Like,
1: oh, that's odd. That is touching.
0: Like, cause we, this old move by minute community, Robert does loads of these. I guested on a couple of them back when I was doing a different podcast. And then we just started talking about about time and lockdown happened. Exams were cancelled, and I was like, "I've got months free." You yep. teach in like a college, so you had months free, and it was like, "Should we do this?" And it was it's nice, and it's so kind of cool. weird to think that it's nearly done. But the amount of people we've had on the show who want to do other stuff about your films, Richard, is amazing. Like as I said, we're doing this Love Actually one. One of the guests we had on, we've been I've been chatting with her about doing something about Vicar of Dibley. Like it's just incredible how just talking about about time makes people remember everything else that's there
1: well ask me ask me back for the love actually one and if you do it when i'm up in suffolk then i'll bring Kira knightley along because she lives along the road and we can maybe both do it
0: <laughs> well that would be incredible <laughs> yeah. really random but since this isn't i mean i think we are recording video but since this isn't a, a video episode per se unless you allow us to clip and release bits can we take some sort of group screenshot to use for promotion or something.
1: Yes. Please do. There we go. Hang on. There Very go. good lighting <laughs> on me. I look as though half my head's been cut off.
0: <laughs> I mean, would you be all right if we used little clips of this on our YouTube pages and stuff, or would you rather uh, it just the audio?
3: You send me what you want to put out. Let me have a quick look at it.
0: Yeah, of course. That's that's fine, because it I, I, I just started running the Movie By Minutes YouTube page for all of the different shows, so I'm trying to get stuff what? What on there
3: teenager um, young man you, mm-hmm. you're just remarkable right i wish any of my kids had the level of commitment and drive that you do mm-hmm. thank you it's which, which college do you teach at Oh, uh,
2: i teach at a few schools around la pierce and east la
3: well are they all in east la
2: no one is east la college and then pierce they're around
1: la well, we might be coming to live there at some point. So so. I,
3: I'm filling in forms for the LA schools at the moment, so I'm right up on all the LA schools. So yeah. t- tell me the other ones you're in.
2: Pierce and Trade Tech, which is right by downtown. I taught a class at USC, but it technically wasn't for USC. Was
1: well, high, look, high guys, I'm so grateful for your um, enthusiasm and study. Uh, and stay in touch. Thank you. Um, yeah, if
0: you've got uh, anything to plug before you go, any little bits you'd like to <laughs> promote? Because I know you're not on social media, so if no, there's the a film, film of yours... Red Nose
1: Day in America, it's coming up again next May. You know, uh, my movies are sometimes criticised for being about people whose lives are so lucky, and Red Nose Day is my way of compensating for that by trying to help people whose lives are hard. So mm. uh, yeah. I, that, I suppose that would be my only thing.
0: Thank you so much, and please get in touch if you ever need an extra or a runner or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can sit sit next to Donald in about time too. Yeah the, the movie really, yeah, the movie I really want to do a sequel to is is yesterday, just because it would just be called today, um, <laughs> and then we could do tomorrow if it is that, if that works
3: out well. Okay, well, guys, thank, well,
1: it's thank really so lovely much. to meet you. Thank you you're so terrible. much for all the work that you put into it and it'll make me go back and revisit the movie myself, but it's been really great talking to
2: you. Great.
0: And hope to talk to you soon for for Love Actually. That'll probably be in the next couple of months, if that's alright. Alright,
1: look forward to that.
0: thanks. Thank
2: you.
1: You too. We
0: can do our extended plugs, really, I guess. We never got to do them.
2: Yeah, so technically this is the last episode, right?
0: Yeah. But yeah, so thanks to all the listeners that uh, have, have, have supported this show. And uh, probably partially the reason that we got here, like, for the support and all the guests, Richard said yes. (laughs) So, here we go. But yeah, so, Robert, plug everything.
2: (laughs) Plug everything. Let's see. But first of all, Robert E.G. Black on social media, com for links to, among other things, our merchandise. If you click on the store link, you'll see our two shirts for this show.
0: And some products. Two Minutes About Time and Graham Curry. Uh
2: And some links to all my other shows, which are michael myers minute dave made a minute the room minute annihilation minute mandy sucks minute cock and bull movie talk titles changed yeah (laughs) and pump up the minute and coming soon five minute arrival and i think i skipped something
0: i think you did i don't know what what are you going to do when cock and bull has finished being covered
2: I I don't know. My idea right now is once I get to the amount of episodes it would have been if I covered the movie properly, I'll be done. And so right now it's more of a question, what do I do when the bracket ends? Because the bracket might end before that. Uh, So I don't know. Just do whatever. Yeah, I guess that's all I got for plugs. If you go to the the YouTube channel that Luke's been talking about, the MXM one, there's a link there to my ad for all of my shows, including like four upcoming ones.
0: Yeah, I think Pump Up isn't mentioned in the ad, is it? No, because it did not exist. That's the
2: thing. (laughs) It didn't exist. Then it became a thing, and is already half. We're all we're halfway done.
0: Um. So on on my side of things, the listeners can find yeah. Where can we find you on Central unstable? Media. <laughs> <laughs> they can they can find unstable is is a thing. Yeah. If they live in Shropshire, the date will be decided by now. But at some point in November, unstable's being screened at the Wellington Orbit Cinema. Mm. So this is uh, if if you happen to live local to me, want to see unstable? Unstable's not on YouTube anymore because of that. And then we're gonna see whether we can get it on some streaming platforms. I don't know. I just wanted to do something because I can't really make other films right now. Yeah. <laughs> I've had enough
2: of Zoom movies. Get it up on Amazon. I don't want to make a lot of short films on there.
0: Outside of that, Sixteenth Minute and Command Denominator, if they want to, but they're awful. <laughs> they're just terrible. But they exist and they're online. Outside at that as well, Please Be Seated is dead, but is there's a few episodes out there, some really good ones, I think. Hopefully. I did a show called The Bottle-O Podcast on YouTube like about four years ago, mostly interviewing YouTubers that don't exist anymore, (laughs) but one episode does feature Matt Lucas, so that one you you can listen to. I'm just plugging everything. Mr. Middles Muddles was the first film I ever made. I was 10. Mm -hmm. My granddad technically directed it, and I was in it. It was just a weird thing with like the corridor in my grandparents' house and it was very much the almost Scooby Doo esque come in one room come out the nice. other kind of thing for about 7 minutes. If, if we're promoting you know, more...
2: crazy outlandish things, I would like yeah. to mention Rabbits, which was my Lego stop motion version of David Lynch's sort of short film, which was also part of a hmm. oh, it was part of a longer movie, I forget what that one was called, but he did, he released it as a short film as well, and I remade it with Lego <laughs> figures. That is great.
0: Mr. Middle's Muddles was, of course, followed up with more muddles for Mr. Middle. <laughs> um, and then there is the final, and I believe greatest in the trilogy, Mr. Middle's Holiday. Mm. And unironically, I have been talking of, with my granddad about, like, we need to do a Mr. Middle film because it's, Mr. Middle's Holiday will be five years old in February. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fans are just waiting Wait, you, for You need Mr. a prequel. <laughs> prequel where suddenly I've aged five years <laughs> no there's I I think with the stuff I've learned about film since then there will be just every five years I'll, remake I'll be able them. to do that was my other idea is because I just do the first one again without the continuity yeah. errors like the cuts being so obvious because there's a dog in the background who sits and stands <laughs> up randomly but they're still on YouTube I've, I've taken some other videos down but for, I've kept them up llama underscore bottles it on Twitter, at Llama underscore bottle zero, Instagram, The Ginger Luke, Facebook, Luke Allen Film, or all podcast, radio appearances, newspaper articles, short films, anything I'm remotely involved in is at UK. This show is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 2 Min's about time. They can join our Facebook group, The Cupboard, to discuss all things to do with About Time and anything else. They can find us on IMDb. They can find me and you on IMDb separately for all the shows and stuff that we're involved in, as well as, obviously, my films and that stuff. Christmas, actually, they can listen to at some point, uh, me and Helen May Austin are probably doing Vicar of Dibley. Don't know when. Minutes of the House will happen at some point with me and Lara doing Blame Is. Once again, don't know when. But they will hopefully happen at some point. Maybe we'll have Richard Curtis and Kira Knightley <laughs> on Christmas actually. And what's what? how would you like to say goodbye, Robert, unless you've got anything else to say?
2: I was trying to remember what the last line of the movie was.
0: And I couldn't... It was, bye-bye, see you later, but we did that. So what? We've also done the speech, actually, which is a shame. The truth is, now I don't travel back in time at all, not even for the day. I just try and live each day as if I've gone back to that specific day. Oh, heck. I can't remember (laughs) what the rest is. Why don't I read the very last line of the script? We touched on this in the commentary.
2: Oh, in the actual script?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you, Richard and Emma, for... Both coming on and providing this script, and that is that. The reality of dinner with someone you love at the end of a normal working day is actually what heaven is. The end. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with BottleO Productions. The Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird-Close. <laughs>